I love scotch. 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 Yep. Have another whiskey. If you'd like to speak to me in person, press one. If you'd like to order drugs, press hash. <laughs> I had a gentleman in the crowd that was like, tell me how to drink Glenfiddich. And I was like, I will not do that. Yep. You drink Glenfiddich how you want to drink Glenfiddich. Wear a cowboy hat in Los Angeles and look at the amount of looks you get. Yeah. It's unbelievable. This is the most flamboyant city on earth. You wear a cowboy hat, people look at you like you are yep. like an alien. The Beatles came on and they might pick me up on his shoulder. George Harrison is as close to me as that wall now. I went, all right, George, all right. And he went, cock. <laughs> and that was the closest <laughs> I ever came to the Beatles. <laughs> you have a whiskey while we... Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheers, Cheers. So welcome back to United States of Dramerica, and this podcast is going to be a bit different. Um, I hope my guest takes this in the spirit in which it's intended, but today's guest is not invited on because of who he is, but he's invited on because of where he is. So welcome to the podcast, a man from New Zealand, Don Medell. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, my, my great pleasure. So the backstory here is I went to school in a little town called, is it a town, isn't it? Not a village, a town called Sutton, um, which we left 25 years ago. And um, Dom went a long way around and ended up in New Zealand. And we we sort of broadly stayed in contact, but we reconnected particularly at some point last year as part of the whole, we're all locked down, let's catch up with people. Um, and we've obviously stayed in contact and we're, We've, we're back on the Zoom today, but I think there's a bit of a difference between the life I'm living in my dark whiskey garage in Los Angeles and the life Dom is living in, in Auckland, New Zealand. So, Dom, how is the pandemic over there? Yeah, well, the, the pandemic is virtually non-existent over here, which is um, pretty good for us. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, so, yeah, life is basically as normal. Um we're just kind of going about our business um, with no real restrictions apart from overseas travel. Um, we have to wear masks on public transport, but apart from that, that's about all there is. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's interesting um, to be invited on a podcast and kind of talk about normal life when you're kind of um, you're just doing you're doing the normal things you do. But I can imagine from um, overseas you know, hearing about a normal life is quite exciting at this point for a lot of people. Um, <laughs> it's, it's weird. It's like a parallel universe because obviously yeah. everywhere else has got a version of it. So obviously we live in America. We've got friends in the UK, you know, they're going through it. I've got friends from when I lived in Germany, they're going through it. But then there's this weird sort of thing going on on the other side of the world. I remember early on in, in the pandemic, it must have been April, there was no sport in America like everything had stopped the NBA the NFL football had stopped yeah. in England and I was watching rugby games in New Zealand and and they were a little bit contrived like they created a league just in New Zealand so it was this uh what's it called super rugby arteria uh, I probably yeah. pronounced that wrong but I was watching the games thinking you you guys have got to stop standing so ne ne near each other and why aren't you wearing masks but it was this weird world where we were locked literally at that stage locked down yeah couldn't go anywhere and you were just like playing rugby in front of tens of thousands of people and no one cared. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, we obviously had a lockdown um, at the start of the pandemic and, um, you know, 
we all had this, everyone in the world had this situation where we were kind of watching it spread across the countries and thinking, uh, when's it going to get to us? Is it going to get to us? Oh, I think it is going to get to us. Oh, shit, what are we going to do sort of thing? And we had that same experience. And then I think, I suppose, being on the other side of the world, we had quite a long time for it to get here and quite a lot of time to kind of partly... I think everyone was working themselves up a bit, but also a lot of time to plan and see what other countries had done and kind of, you know, I think there was a sense in the country of like, oh God, like when this comes, we better be locking down because this isn't going well for a lot of countries. And by the time the first case actually got into Auckland or to, to New Zealand, the first couple of community cases, you know, everyone was just on tenterhooks expecting it to come here and then it arrived and it was like, okay, there's going to be a prime minister's announcement tonight. Um, and we were all sort of waiting for it. And everyone was just thinking, I think, just can you please lock us down? Like, just do it. Just say, look, we're locking down tomorrow. And she came on, just Jacinda Ardern. And um, and she did just that and said, look, we're going into lockdown from tomorrow. No one goes to work. We can't, you know, don't go out. Don't socialise. All the, all the usual stuff. And um, And that was that. And I think everyone was quite relieved. I mean, especially in those early days, it was really kind of, you know, now everyone's used to it and it's a drag and it's, you know, obviously all its problems and things like that. But at the beginning, it was really like, um, I remember feeling quite emotional and like, oh God, I, like sort of almost wanting to cry when she said, I think, you know, we're going to lock me down and just feel like, oh God, that's such a relief, you know, and we all kind of hunkered down and that was it. It's interesting because obviously it'd be fair to say in America, nobody wanted to be locked down, probably with the exception of some people in California, maybe New York. But we definitely, the, the sentiment yeah. was not lock us down, please. It was quite the opposite. Yeah, you had quite a lot of warning, didn't you, as well, being where you are. Did you? I mean, you know, it took its time to get from like Wuhan and through Italy to till it got to you guys. You had the same thing of, of time before it got there. Is that sort so- yeah, sort of. I think people didn't realise how much they had. Um, sorry, how much they didn't have. Because I think they've now they've looked back, they realised we had some cases here in January of last year. And I know that I was at CES, the world's largest trade show in, in, in January in Vegas. And lots of people went to that, were ill afterwards, and they weren't quite sure what they had, but they were ill afterwards. And I think looking back, quite a lot of people had that because that was a global event. And I think it had started to spread from that but we didn't really know so we were watching the news we saw what happened in italy way before we got to that stage here and obviously at the beginning sort of masks weren't seen as useful that was the original scientific advice we had the same thing yeah they were saying there's no point wearing masks in fact they do more harm because you're touching them and you're going to introduce infections to your face and everything else so yeah we had the same thing for but we definitely, I don't think people wanted to be locked down, but we were, and it was what it was. But obviously we came out of it for the summer and then we're back into it. Uh, and it's just, that's really funny. Like it's, it's interesting because I don't think it sounds like the original experience was fairly similar for you guys in that Italy was the weird one where, you know, we were seeing people spaced out in supermarkets and I can remember like my wife saying to me, Oh my God, have you seen Italy? Like they're lining up and, um, you know, they've got to stand this far apart. And we just thought it was just like crazy, but I mean, maybe it's just, you know, I, I can't obviously speak for everyone in New Zealand. I, I definitely in our family, we felt like we want to be locked down. And I sort of feel like that was the case for most people in New Zealand. We've got our fair share. Well, probably less than you, but we've got, um, we have got our share of crazies here and even sort of MAGA type people for some reason. Um, but yeah, I think people were generally kind of on board with it. 
because obviously the as a year, so you obviously had your lockdown and you got out of it, and now and then I think you were case free for ages, and then two British people came out of quarantine and and spread a little bit, and then that got shut down quite quickly again. And you've basically been yeah. case free as an island since. Yeah. Um, not yeah. We had the initial lockdown, and then we got it down to to like eradication, and then yeah, a couple of, a couple snuck a couple of cases snuck in, and we went into another short lockdown of um, I think it's about four three weeks or something, and then after that, um, it's been fine. Obviously, New Zealand's case free. Like you go to the pub not every day, but you go to the pub. Your kids go to school. Life is normal. Like, do you do you sort of forget that there is coronavirus until you turn on the news? Is it sort of so far out of your mind? No, I don't. I don't think it is. Like, speaking for me, like, I mean, <clears throat> it's a little different for me, I suppose, because I've got family and friends overseas. So, you know, I call my folks a couple of times a week or whatever, and then you know, it's always a topic of conversation, and you know, have they had immunisations yet? And you know, how are you coping and stuff like that. So it's always pretty. You know, it's always there for me. And I think even for people who don't have that and have got all their family and, you know, everything's in New Zealand, I think it's still there and people, because as well, New Zealand's quite a nation of travellers as well. People do, you know, people do their overseas experience, their OE when they're young, um, you know, and some of them have had to put that put that off for a year or two. Mm. And it's it's always, I think it's always quite near the surface for a topic of conversation, but Having said that, you know, you get to the weekend, you're like, okay, anyone want to go to the pub tonight? Anyone, you know, is anyone going to see this band or, you know, should we go and go away camping for a weekend or something like that? And you don't really, you know, occasionally, you, I mean, you do think, God, we're lucky to be in this situation. But life, day-to-day life is pretty normal. Um, so it's, it's kind of odd, um, like, hearing like from my end, like how countries overseas see you as well, because you're, you're like, life's going on normally here and all this stuff's happening out there. And kind of thinking, and you see, you obviously see international press where they're saying New Zealand is this beacon of like, you know, purity and it, everything's perfect here and everything else. And it, you know, it doesn't, it's the same other problems here as in any other, you know, Western democracy and racism and, you know, just, economic problems or whatever else um but it's interesting seeing how the overseas press looks at us and reports us and it does feel like oh my god they're they're really going to town on how great everything is here and you i don't know it's a strange feeling um do you have do you have like survivor's guilt that you can just (laughs) go to the pub and we can't you know a little bit yeah a little bit like it's just i mean you don't want to sit here and say, um, I, you know, I'm going to the pub and I'm going out and like, poor me, I feel so bloody guilty all the time because you lot, <laughs> you know, you lot are making me feel bad over it. But um, you do feel a bit like all the rest of the world is having this experience and we're really not having that experience and kind of, you know, you put photos on Instagram or whatever it is and then you'll think, actually, you know, am I rubbing people's faces in it a little bit here or, you know, and things like that. So, yeah, 
There is. I mean, I, I suppose what it is is the undercurrent of wanting everyone to be on the same page. And I think most people aren't really going to be happy until, um, you know, the countries, uh, you know, we, we exist in a world where there's plenty of countries where things aren't equal and we seem to get by day to day, a lot of people without thinking it too much. But, you know, for right, for right or wrong, I think that until the countries that we are used to going to and interacting with and everything else, until it's sorted out there, we'll still feel like things are not right, you know. Having said that, you know, completely recognise it's way easier for us than for for a lot for a lot of countries having experienced a you know a small amount of it. So pre-pandemic, there was all these stories that would appear in the newspapers every few months about Western billionaires like buying property yeah. to build like bunkers so when the world ends like new zealand will be the only safe place and you know obviously that has yeah. been happening but then i think when the pandemic hit i think i remember reading a story in about may about locals getting slightly irritated that americans were flying in on their private jets and yeah. not bypassing quarantine but bypassing the normal restrictions to go and live in their you know their island retreats so is there a bit of sort yeah. of stay out of our country you virus ridden billionaires or <laughs> um i mean house prices are going crazy that's one of our problems but i don't <laughs> know how much that's due to the to the billionaires or not i mean i yeah i personally wouldn't want to see us as a country where we you know we're this kind of bolt hole or this you know little escape for billionaires people with lots of money you know it's like it doesn't really sit too well with me that that's how we would that that you know the how much money people have got is the basis of whether they get in and there is already a bit of that here that you know if you've got a certain amount of money you can come and live here and if you haven't you can't and it's like well you know poor people have families and things too you know maybe they should be the priority so i don't i yeah, I don't. I wouldn't really want to become that sort of country where it's just like we accept people who've got loads of money because everything's so great here. Um, you know, having said that, I think things will probably settle down with the vaccinations and things like that, and um, perhaps it won't be that way. But um, yeah, I he's it, it, a bit weird, you know, billionaires coming over here and wanting to live to me, but. Um, it's just annoying. I mean, billionaires are annoying. <laughs> they can do things like that. So. <laughs> so I've got friends who live in Bermuda, who which is obviously a much smaller island and much nearer, you know, yeah. America. But they're relatively case-free there because they've got such restrictions. But their issue is their tourism industry suffering. And when they reopen, yeah. is it going to suddenly just spread through the island partly because of new people arriving but yeah. also because there'll be no herd immunity so it's sort of i guess it's fine as you are now but is there an impending doom that people think about where like at some point surely at some point they'll open the borders and then you're going to have yeah. all these problems as we're coming out of it you'll then start yeah. maybe going into it yeah speaking for me that's something that definitely crosses my mind that like i mean I can't, I, I wouldn't criticise the government for their handling of COVID really whatsoever. There might be other things, you know, you can criticise the government for, there, there always are, like realistically, but I don't think COVID really is one of them. They, you know, they've, um, they've 
handled it about as well as you can. And it, I mean, it's obvious you compare to the way things have, uh, the way things gone in other countries and it's gone really well. Um, but yeah, there is a bit of that, that like, I suppose, you know, in other countries, you may not be aiming to eradicate it. You may be aiming to get it under control and, um, you probably will get it under control sooner or later, and that'll be brilliant. And then you will be free to, um, you know, open your borders to other countries that have also got it under control if they're at a kind of equal level of infection. And hopefully you've kind of had, um, you'll you have a sort of some kind of level of immunity or whatever it is. So, um, so that'll probably work out well. But it does cross my mind that like, okay, if we've eradicated it, how willing are we going to be to then let any COVID in at all because, you know, um, partly because you want to keep it eradicated and partly, uh, you know, there is that thing as well of like, oh, God, you know, no one's got any immunity. I suppose actually, you know, thinking aloud, we'll get our vaccinations like everyone else and then that will provide the immunity anyway, so it won't be such an issue. But it's more the thing of um, are we going to tolerate any COVID here whatsoever in order to be able to go back to life as normal or not mm. um and that's the question that you know that needs answering but yeah but yeah i mean generally speaking god you know that's a that's a, a good problem to have compared to the problems that a lot of people have got um right talking of good problems we're a bit slow on the whiskey drinking so um what what whiskey have you got at your end on <laughs> um okay so i have got uh a Thompson whiskey. So I, I, I said, um, I went to a friend's house today. I went, I went to, well, one of William's friends, my son's friend's house and, um, picked him up from there and said to his parents that I was doing this podcast today. And she said to me, um, I should get a New Zealand whiskey. And I was like, brilliant idea. Um, not really knowing there were any, but she said, there's this whiskey called Thompson whiskey, um, which I have bought a bottle of and it's the, San Francisco World Spirits 2016 gold medal winner. And it's very nice. So what does a bottle of Thompson whiskey set one back in New Zealand nowadays? I think this was about 100 bucks, so about 50 pounds, which is whatever in dollars. Yeah, about, <laughs> you can finally get yeah. to my currency. Um, it's yeah. about $70. Oh, that's a decent bottle of whiskey. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'll be honest, I've not drunk. I know there are distilleries in New Zealand and Australia. I've not had the pleasure. Um, so I'm glad that somebody on my podcast is drinking New Zealand whiskey. I'm going for something a bit simpler. I'm trying to think of a whiskey as I like to pair whiskeys with my guests. But frankly, I couldn't think of a New Zealand angle. I couldn't think of a like where we went to school angle. Is it, is it there like a, a very pure single malt or something like that would be uh, appropriate yeah. for New Zealand at the moment? Yeah, I should have picked like a, a whiskey from an island that no one can get to unless they're a billionaire and the borders are shut. But I don't know where that whiskey is. So I've got a Glenlivet uh, Founders Reserve, which is one of my favourite whiskies. So, um, right, just going to pour this. Cheers, Dom. Um, so, you know, obviously for me, drinking whiskey on Zoom with people is what I've been doing for a year. Um, just to make me feel bad, how often do you go to the pub? Just... I'm not judging you. I'm just jealous. Uh, yeah. Let me think. Okay. Well, having kids and things, it's a lot less than it would have been in the old days. But I would say every couple of weeks, something like that. That's not bad. Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah. I mean, that's about as often. Well, we, I think 
I'm sure we're too old to get in trouble for this now, but when we, my first ever pub trips, this is an emotional journey for us, but my first ever pub trips were with you. We went to the moon on the hill, which was like about a mile away from our school. And I remember once even going in, because the trick was to take off your school tie and put on like the tie you nick from your dad's closet. So it didn't look like a school tie. But I remember once going in and I literally like bent my arm over the owl, which was the sort of emblem that that turns your um, school uniform into sort of a vague version of a suit. And we go in and drink pints of Scotch bitter for like 50p or something. No, that was it was a it was a pound a pint. Yeah, I remember it because we started off and we would be like, okay, we will take our ties and blazers off and kind of do it properly but i think it became so easy that we got quite sloppy with it and like at the beginning we'd hide our bags and stuff like that by the end it was like uh they always serve us and i remember going in one time having that arm over the badge of my blazer just having i think i took my tie off had my arm over my blazer bag still on my back and um i was like i'll have a pint of scotch bitter please and she was the bartender was like um yeah, can you just move your arm, please? And I moved the other arm in the air, and he was like, no, the other one. And I then was like, oh, yeah, the badge, <laughs> there is. And um, they, she, and even then, they weren't like, it was just this sort of resignation about kind of like, look, I'll just go, <laughs> you're just not meeting me halfway here. <laughs> like, you know, like, I cannot serve you. With exactly. You can't, you can't win this lottery unless you at least buy a ticket. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. So, uh, yeah, so, in fact, you've been, well, I was going to say, we, you and I have legally drunk longer than I probably have with anyone else, but it obviously wasn't legal. But you I, you are the person with whom I have I started drinking in legal establishments. I think I drank in the park with other people before you. So anyway, but at the age of what, we were 16 or 17? 17. I think 17 we started drinking. And we the first place we would go to was that pub, The New Town, in... Um, you know, up the road from the school. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember that place? That was their yeah. very first place. And then there'd be a big group of us from the sixth form and taking in like horrendous fake IDs and just, but then they weren't very, you know, they just wanted you, they just wanted to see something, just that you'd made an effort to pretend you're 18. Those IDs were fake. It was ridiculous, but they would just be like, okay, that'll do good. I can serve you. You've shown me something. Yeah, no, indeed. And obviously, for our American listeners thinking, well, these guys have been drinking in a pub four years before they were allowed to. Remember, of course, that it's 18 in England. So we were only like a few months away from legally drinking. And we couldn't even wait that long. (laughs) Yeah, that's a very British thing to do. Um, So anyway, um, so going back to New Zealand, you mentioned earlier that you have to wear masks on a train. That seems weirdly specific and arbitrary. Like there's literally no cases in your country and the only place you have to wear it is a train, but not like the supermarket or anything else, just the train. No, that's right. So yeah, the only, the only things we really are supposed to do here are wear masks on public transport. And that is pretty well, well, I mean, it's supposed to be enforced. I think there's supposed to be some penalty if you don't do it. And people do tend to wear masks on the train. Um, and you know that's fine it's you know not that much of a big deal it does seem a little strange when you can go to you know you can go into a supermarket or like a, a pub or whatever else like um my wife Angie and i we went over to a party on there's an island here called waihiki just um off the coast of auckland that you get a ferry over to and we went to uh a 50th birthday over there and it was just like you know um 
it's almost like some kind of Ibiza Sundance party over there. It wasn't what I was, what I was expecting at all, but like all we'll go over there and it's all crowded and everyone's having a good time and drinks and all this and like crowded. And then you get back to go on the ferry back home and you have to put your mask on just to do that. And it's just like, so I didn't have to wear a mask anywhere there while I was doing all that socializing and drinking and stuff. Go on the boat, put this mask on. It's just like the only difference is this thing is moving and the pub wasn't. So is it related to movement or something? But I mean, I suppose they're just trying to be like, let's just, you know, if you can wear a mask, like it'd be hard to wear a mask in a pub, I suppose. It's pretty easy on public transport. So why not? Um, the other thing we have to do is we have a, 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 you know, a COVID tracing app that we're supposed to sign in, you know, um, scan a QR code when you go into a shop or whatever it is. People were really good at that, I think, when we had community cases. We're supposed to be still doing it when there aren't community cases and the number of people doing it has really dropped off. Since we had another couple of cases that have been resolved a few weeks ago, like I've personally tried to get better at doing it, but I wouldn't say I was 100 percent. Um, and that's, you know, that, but that's one of those things that you're, you're supposed to do. I think a lot of people aren't really, but, um, you know, it's really. So when you watch the news and you read that, you know, in places like America, particularly like in December and January, hospitals are full, 100,000 people a day are getting it. And then there's people protesting and refusing to wear masks. And I mean, we've recently had in Los Angeles people holding up the vaccinations because they're anti-vaxxers and they're trying to, you know, they've held up the line and had to shut the stadium where they were doing it. As you sit there in your COVID-free New Zealand, are you just thinking the rest of the world is crazy? Well, definitely looking at other governments and thinking you've handled this badly and this is on you for sure. I mean, I, I pay most attention to the UK government, obviously. And then, um, you know, also looking at, america as everyone does and you know thank god it seems like you're kind of sorting things out a bit now since biden's come in but um looking at those two governments and especially well especially the uk and just being like as this was all happening just kind of screaming like why the hell are you doing this why are your instructions so confusing you know why did you not knock down earlier why haven't you you know made up your mind about anything and you know i'm sure there's loads of people and i know there's loads of people in england doing exactly the same thing um i do look at you know the kind of excuses or you know the the, the reasons people give about new zealand doing well saying oh we're, we're in ireland and um there's not much population here and that's why we've done well and it's not a fair comparison and i i don't by that reason really at all i think it might help slightly but when you're looking at the number of you know deaths say in the uk as compared to the number of deaths here and they're you know tens of thousands different it's like it's not just because we're a small country um so for example you know they say well your population is like four and a half million and the land mass is the you know is the roughly the size of the uk or whatever so of course you've got less but it comes to this thing of like we're not all just standing spread out at an equal distance from each other across the country it's like well you know um we're all there's a lot of people in auckland there's like a million and a half people in auckland and we all go to like gigs and we all go to pubs and we all go you know we do the same things that everyone else does everywhere else we go to workplaces and we sit close together so it's not about the fact that we've got a small population 
it's just about the fact that we had lockdown quickly and you know um and it was it was done quick and it was you know it was done kind of the the rules were quite strict compared to other countries as well um but it, it worked you know um and it just i don't know to me it seemed it seemed like the logical thing to do i suppose no one really knew how things were going to work and various countries were trying different things out and thinking about herd immunity or whatever and to be fair it's not over yet you know like um um you know after we do have to open the borders like we talked about what's going to happen then but it's hard to really think that the response here was wrong you know mm. and um yeah to be honest it is it, uh, there is quite a lot of thinking like why are governments behaving the way they do but i i'm sure you have it yourselves you know obviously there's a lot of people in those countries thinking exactly the same things and not just us looking from outside look you've mentioned gigs a couple of times so my my covid project has been podcasting it's kept me sane now weirdly you've had a covid project even though you, you haven't had lockdowns over there you've sort of relaunched your music career yeah yeah well I think calling it a COVID project is um, quite a charitable thing to do because it's probably more of a midlife crisis project, but especially as I started before COVID was even around. But um, yeah, I started a band and it has been great um, through COVID to have something to think about and focus on. And um, basically, I don't know. I think, I mean, she's going off COVID now, but like you... um, you know, you get to a point in your life, I mean, where you're kind of in your 40s and you sort of, um, you've got a nice house or whatever, or you've got, you know, you've got your family and you've got your kids. And often, for me anyway, that's kind of what you spent the first part of your life thinking about of like, oh, I want to get to this point where I've got these things. And then you get those things and you're like, brilliant, now I can sit back. But actually, like, you've got another 40 years left or whatever that you've got to fill with something. And so um, I've found like it was good to just get a hobby and a shed <laughs> to do my hobby in the shed as we're both in our sheds now as middle-aged men sitting in sheds drinking whiskey which is a <laughs> wonderful activity um so yeah so um i started learning guitar and um and spent like a, about a year just writing a lot of songs probably about 10 percent were good or even passable and then sort of looked around for some friends and um, we sort of loosely connected friends and we put a band together and um, we've been doing that. And that's something else which has been great during COVID as well, actually, because you can go and, like, you go and cut them open mics and what have you um, in Auckland. And, uh, yeah, it's kept me um, kept me with something to do over the period. And, yeah, much like podcasting, I guess, it gives you a hobby. And Yeah, I think, uh, well, yeah, I... Um on the range of midlife crises projects that you could have, like the two other, so it was podcasting and the two other options were buying a motorbike or having an affair. And both of those seem like either more expensive or more risky. So look, so what's the name of your band? So the band's name is Frayed Flag. Frayed Flag. Frayed Flag. Yeah. For any reason? Uh, I was walking around on the North shore of Auckland and saw a flag and it was frayed and I thought I'll call it that. So yeah, I, I feel like band names are kind of arbitrary and they tend to, did you know, like, for example, the Beatles, right. Is, um, a pun on the word beat. 
right, which no one tends to think about at all. And um, I think, you know, who cares what the joke is, but bands tend to grow into their names. Not that I'm comparing us to the Beatles. Yeah, I was going to say, that's quite, I mean, that's interesting. I didn't know that, but it's quite a grand comparison, Dom. But uh, um, So, look, last question. If you could drink any whiskey with anyone, who would it be, what would it be, and where would it be? Yeah, okay. So um, I've been, I was having to think about this, and I'm going to go with this one. Uh, because it's this or James, Jameson's, quite frank. So I go for this Thompson whiskey, and my person, I think, would be it'd be with Wayne Coyne from the Flaming Lips. I think, I think it'd be a he's a great musician. He seems like a genuinely unique character, um, and he might pop some acid in there or something. I don't know. <laughs> Are you going to compare yourself to the Flaming Lips as well, or just the Beatles? I think within the course of our conversation, that would probably happen, yes. <laughs> and, and where would you have this bottle of Thompson? Well, at the moment, I suppose on our island of purity, New Zealand. Take a trip back to Waiheke and go over there again and show him how we're all living over here and just make him put a face mask as we got the ferry on the way back to uh, the mainland again. <laughs> but, yeah. Extraordinary. That would be my, my choice. Very good. Well, look, Dom, um, this is like I say, this is not the normal podcast, uh, but I appreciate the fact that you were a good sport and willing to talk about not you, but the place. But you've given some great answers and I found it fascinating. I've got sort of pub envy. I've got kids being at school envy. I've got normal life envy. Although I don't think I want to travel around on trains in New Zealand because I don't really like, you know, the idea of having to wear a mask for such an arbitrary and ridiculous reason. But there you go. Mm, I love scotch. 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 And don't forget to not just follow us on Twitter and Instagram at US of Dramerica, but also ask us questions and comment and say nice things. And please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And if the mood takes you, you can leave us a review as uh, feedback is always welcome. And drink whiskey. Slonchevar. <laughs>